Salutations, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom, welcoming you to episode 16 of No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. Joining me, as always, are my co-hosts. First and foremost, coming to you from the Horror Countdown podcast, it is Mr. Don and Nelly. How you doing, Don? Yeah, what's going on? Always great to be here. And then also joining us, as usual, Mr. Derek B. from the Cinema Attack uh, podcast. May it rest in peace. Derek, how you doing? You know, damn worms. <laughs> All right, and this week we have a very special guest joining us, probably, what, only our second or third guest on the show. This is a friend of the community. I mean, I've been listening to his stuff for a couple of years now. I always listen to their best of, their end of year episodes, because I'm always fascinated by the different movies that this guy and his partner have on there. So coming to you from the anatomy of fear podcast, it is Mr. Brandon young. How the hell you doing, Brandon? Dude, I am. I'm just excited to be here with you. Uh, I mean, we've, I mean, how many times have we recorded together? Quite a few times, uh, at least you and me, Venom, um, Don as well. And Derek, I don't remember. I think we've done maybe an episode or something, but um, I'm, I'm just excited to be here and talk about a, a movie that I strongly love. And I, I mean, I can't wait to tell you what the other choice I thought about recommending was, because mainly I wanted to hear your reaction to it. Then, so, yeah, I'm just I'm glad to be here. So thanks for asking me. Very cool. All right. Well, while we got you on the mic, why don't you uh, go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about your background with creature features? Obviously, this is a creature feature podcast. It is uh, something that the three of us absolutely love. So tell, tell us a little bit about your history, maybe some favorites you might have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people around our age, you know, folks that were born in the 70s and, you know, kind of early 80s, I think Creature Feature was just something that was a part for all of us, whether it was the old stuff like Creatures of the Black Lagoon, um, you know, if we were super into Godzilla, anything like that. For me, uh, my all-time favorite Creature Feature is Jaws, and that's actually my uh, number six horror film of all time. I love Jaws, but uh, I mean, I just... I've always enjoyed this genre ranging anywhere from like placid to, I don't know. I mean, hell even arachnophobia, you know, there's just that. I don't know. There's something where it's, it's fun because it's somewhat ridiculous, but still rooted and somewhat plausible in reality. So it's just a, it's a, it's a blast. It's always going to be one of my favorites. So yeah. And the one that we're talking about tonight is in, uh, I mean, it's also in my top films of all time and it's just a, for me, it's a movie that somewhat, for some reason, gets better with age. So I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Dean. 
They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do. Flip for it. Damn. Kevin Bacon. Fred Ward. Tremors. All right, listeners. So uh, I guess we'll stop with the mystery and ambiguity and let you know that this week's film, if you didn't already know, is Tremors, the classic Ron Underwood directorial debut from 1990. Of course, this film is, as I've already mentioned, directed by Ron Underwood with a stellar cast of folks like Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Michael Gross, Reba McIntyre, and Victor Wong, the the one and only Victor Wong. This movie, as I said, clocks in at an hour and 36 minutes. It is rated PG-13, so not a lot of gore. Most people are familiar with Tremors, even though this film wasn't a gigantic box office success in the theaters. In fact, it's kind of labeled as a flop. It did get a second life in the video rental market and, you know, a rental and purchase market and more than made its money back in that sense, even if it didn't make its money back in theaters. So our synopsis is as follows. Natives of a small isolated town defend themselves against strange underground creatures, which are killing them one by one. Nice to the point little synopsis there. Let's go ahead and start with our guest. Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with Tremors and just like overall general thoughts on it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is one I did see in the theater when it came out. I saw it with my dad. Um, he used to take me to movies that I was probably, I don't know, questionably a little too young for. Um, so that kind of formed me of going to movies like this and other horror films. But, uh, that I've really fallen in love with this film more as I've aged. You know, it's a movie that would anytime would come on TV, I would watch. But it wasn't until I was really, I don't know, I guess a grown up that I could really appreciate just like how well it's shot and how, again, how well it's aged. The performances are good. You know, the jokes hit, the suspense works. I think the creature effects are awesome. I'd say as an entire franchise, I'm not saying all the movies are good, but I think most of them are entertaining at the least. So the fact that it's had this many films that, you know, I can put on and enjoy is pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I will say I'm bummed that they weren't able to do, you know, that kind of reboot series that they were talking about a couple of years ago. And now, you know, with the loss of uh, Fred Ward, you know, that's obviously not going to happen. But, mm. man, this, this movie just gets better and better for me. I'm just always impressed by it. And now with the new Arrow release where it just looks amazing. <laughs> and the cool special features they had with that, it's just a, 
Yeah, it's one that I put on all the time, and I make my kids watch way more than they probably want. So it's uh, I, I love it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Derek, why don't you come on in here? Give us some thoughts on Tremors. Yeah, Tremors, uh, weirdly enough, I didn't see Tremors until, like, 96, because Tremors 2 was on all the time back in the day, and I've seen that one, actually, before i seen Tremors. Tremors 2 is a, actually a pretty great sequel, if you ask me. Yeah, I love this movie. Like, I love that it takes, like, the tropes of, like, uh, some of, like, the later, like, 50s creature features, like, you know, these guys find a dead body, and, you know, like, they find Edgar, you know, and, you know, there's some mysterious way that he died that they're like, huh? What do you mean, died like that? And they go and investigate, and, you know, they find out that it's, like, this giant creature. Yeah, you know, it takes those, like, 50 tropes and spends them in a 90s way that I like, and, you know, actually... You know, going back, it wasn't until like I seen like uh, the Arrow release when they did the documentary that's on there. Where I'm like, this is from the same people that wrote Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included. <laughs> you know <laughs> that that you know that kind of is very interesting in its own right. Where it's like, yeah, it kind of feels like those type of movies in a way too, in a sense of the characters and how those characters connected with each other in those two movies. You know, I love this movie. Fucking the franchise, I actually like as a whole. Even like some of the shittier ones near the end of it, they're still kind of watchable and fun compared to some of like later day creature features. Because you know, of some, you know, I love that they like. You know, we get into like, you know, the graphoids are kind of like these mysterious creatures, and you know, they're under the ground. You know, you find out about some of their anatomy. That's very cool too in the movie you know, how they move underground and stuff with the little spikes and stuff and the three tongues. It's kind of awesome, <laughs> especially for this one too. The effects in this one still hold up. They're very great practical effects in this one where, you know, some of those later sequels kind of diminish, like even like Tremors too. the one knock for that movie is it has some of the most shittiest CGI ever in it. <laughs> but, uh, it's a fun movie. And I, uh, I like Tremors altogether. I even, you know, even the short-lived, like, sci-fi channel TV show is pretty fun, too, that they did. It was, like, one season, I think, got canceled. But they had, like, Michael Gross and Christopher Lloyd in there. You know, fun stuff. It's a blast, and it's a great film that I always revisit from here and there. And, like, Brandon said, the Arrow 4K looks amazing. Yeah, like, yeah I can vouch for that, too. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Tremors. Nice. Don, come on in here. Give me your opening thoughts on Tremors. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what else is uh, new to be said um, based on everybody else, because, uh, yeah, I'm uh, you know on their side. I, I really enjoy this one as well. I'm kind of struggling to, like, pick up something new to say, uh, just because, I, I, I you know, I'm last in line, so everything has already been said about it. Yeah, the comedy is kind. You know, the the comedy is there. Um, I don't always find it funny, but it, in the right moods, yeah, there's some. Uh, you know, there's some great lines here and there. The, the creature effects are fantastic. Uh, you know, always go for practical when you can, and uh, this definitely fits the bill because it's it's still too early for 
all of the, you know, the more, you know, wonky CGI that you would la- see in later efforts that, you know, the the rest of the franchise kind of has like the, some subpar, some wonky CGI, but this is still too early in that phase where you still get a lot of uh, practical effects here. You know, the great, the cast is fun. They're, they're definitely, you know, enjoyable to hang around and, uh, you know, you're, you're definitely on their side when the creatures start attacking, Action scenes are on point. There's, uh, you know, some fun sequences around the town that, you know, I absolutely just love the sequence out in the desert where they try to, you know, long jump their way around the rocks and, um, you know, stuff like that is always a, you know, real blast. And, you know, the, the ingenuity that they come up with to try to, you know, find ways of counterattacking them. They, yeah, the, the the film stays interesting throughout. There's never really a dull point. I, I don't have like a lot of like legitimate flaws with it. I, I, I think that there's very little here that kind of points to the evolution of the creatures later on. I, I think like the way that they keep evolving them just always feels a little weird that you, you never really get like hints of that here in the first one. It just feels like the... Like, they just come up with, like, weird, bizarre evolutionary tactics that kind of just prolong the franchise, but, you know, not not really stuff like that that really kind of feels like they're legitimate flaws. They're, it's like, you know, if you're sticking to just this one, that, you know, you don't really have much in the way with that. It's just always, you know, if you're going to look at how the franchise has evolved, it just feels like the evolutionary tactics that they develop for the creatures just always feels kind of ham-fisted for what the the original creatures showcase here but if you're not looking at that if you're just looking at it you know just as a film to throw on and you know like you're not even aware that there's a franchise you're just looking at it and be like oh hey what's this you know i gotta you know check this thing out and see what it's all about yeah there's not much to dislike here it's fast it's fun uh you know great jokes some practical creature effects and a family-friendly atmosphere because it's PG-13. So yeah, I, I don't have uh, you know much else to add to uh, what's already been said because I, I definitely follow with uh, you guys on that. All right. Well, for me, I actually do have a slightly different adventure with this film. I was kind of lukewarm to this film when I first saw it. I did not see this in theaters because when I saw the trailer. I think I thought what a lot of people thought when they saw the trailer. This just looks kind of stupid. It looks like a 50s throwback, which, you know, in the late 80s wasn't really something that I was really looking forward to. I was into creature features, into kaiju mostly, and universal, stuff like that. But modern creature features just didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, I think I ended up seeing this the following year when it hit VHS. I remember renting this with my dad at Blockbuster and... uh, Like I said, uh, I was kind of lukewarm to it. Uh, Not to say that I disliked it necessarily. It just wasn't a favorite. And then for years after it, um, after that initial viewing, I never really rewatched it because I always just chalked it up as one of these, you know, just standard creature feature fare that, you know, doesn't always resonate with me. But I got to say over the last 10 to 15 years, this movie has really, really grown on me. It's 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 become a favorite creature feature, and it's not even necessarily for the creatures. It's the spectacular cast. I mean, this cast really works for me. I like that the comedy is not so over the top that 
you would confuse this movie for a straight comedy. You know, it's it's solidly in the horror genre and the creature feature genre with some comedic elements. Um, and then one of the things that I've really grown to appreciate over the years, especially on these last couple of viewings, is how smart the Graboids are. You know, when you think of just a, you know, prehistoric giant worm type creature, you figure it's going to have a tiny little brain and it's basically just going to work on instincts more than anything. But the human characters in this movie come up with multiple ways to tr- to kind of thwart the efforts of the Graboids. And the Graboids, every time, will figure out something new to do. They'll either start taking out the buildings um, they'll start ignoring the bombs that are being thrown into the sand. Like I, I'm actually impressed with how intelligent they made these creatures. Cause that's something you don't often see in a creature feature. You see it a lot more in modern ones. Like we did troll a couple of months ago and that definitely shows off a very intelligent monster. But in this time period in the eighties, I don't think we really got a lot of these, you know, um, problem solving creatures. So I, like I said, over the last 10 years or so, I've really appreciated that. And, of course, the effects. I mean, the effects are the effects. There's there's nothing new that we can say about these effects that hasn't already been said over the last 30 years, 30-plus years. Beautiful, you know, handmade minis, handmade props. On the Arrow Blu-ray, there is, a you know, a great little behind-the-scenes of them, you know, uh, of all the different stages of the Graboids when they were just like skeletal, you know, tubes and whatnot, and then up up through adding texture to them and everything else. It's just a beautiful process to watch. My wife, Mrs. Venom, actually used to work at an FX studio, all practical. So, you know, they sold like a lot of body parts and stuff to independent film projects, you know, skeletons, things like that. And while she was working there, I got into a you know a great appreciation of what these guys do and the meticulous length that these guys go through. Like, you're not making a graboid in like a week. You know, these guys are working for months on the design stage, different mock-ups, and then actually creating the actual on-screen graboid. I mean, that is a long process, and special features like this really, really help you appreciate that kind of stuff. Let's talk about this cast. I mean, uh, Brandon, yeah, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Why don't you come in here and tell us a little bit about this cast? Like maybe, you know, what are some of your favorite parts of this cast? Maybe an unsung hero? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess since some, some of you guys do know me uh, personally a little bit, uh, probably no surprise that I may identify with Burt Gummer a little bit. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit crazy of a, a prepper guy who, you know, may have... Uh, it may or may not have firearms. Um, but I, you know, he's entertain. he and Reba are just a fun couple. I mean, Kevin Bacon, you know, who has his roots in horror, um, you know, from the Friday film. And I mean, God, like thinking back to movies that I also watched back then, you know, with Fred Ward, you know, I think when he was Remo Williams, right. And I loved Remo mm-hmm. when I was a kid, that was just a, you know, kind of one of those cheesy action films I'd watch all the time. But of course it's funny that I, you know, I liked Walter Chang when I was a kid, but it wasn't until I grew up and I realized like, oh, wait, Victor Wong's in basically every movie that I like. Um, so, you <laughs> oh, know, yeah. it, I mean, yeah. you know, but it, it, when I was a kid, I was like, you know, wow, it, it's the dude from this or it's the dude from Green Ninjas this. for Life. Yeah. Or Big Trouble in Little <laughs> China. And then I was like, oh, wait, or John Carpenter, pretty much everything. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I think Fred Ward, I don't know. He seems kind of like the. 
you know, they're both kind of idiots. Both Val and Earl are kind of idiots. But Fred just seems like the kind of like guy you want to just, I don't know, maybe be like when you grow up. The whole cast is, I mean, really good. Yeah. Even Melvin, who I fucking hate in this movie. <laughs> but he plays the role so well. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yep. yep. He's so hateable. It's perfect. I mean, hell, I mean, I, I, I will definitely count myself amongst the numbers that wanted to see his ass get eaten. Well, we all we all knew a Melvin, right? Like we all knew a kid like that too. Like, yeah, the one that was just sadly, the, yeah. yeah, just a shithead that you don't want anything to do with. But he's gonna pop up. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I am right there on board with you with Fred Ward. One of my favorite underappreciated movies is a HBO original called Cast a Deadly Spell. Do you remember that film? Oh, he's so good. I. Oh, fucking love that movie i love the concept of it i love the execution i, I love the its art style mm-hmm. uh david warner is amazing as the villain anyway fucking folks, if you haven't seen brown yeah de- Dete- brown, I, oh, God. yeah de- detective hp lovecraft yeah there you go exactly. even has norris yeah. from the thing in it too as the chief it's great That's right mm-hmm. it's been so long since i've watched it but yeah i i absolutely adore that film so i'm right there with you with your love for fred ward he's the dad in road trip he's amazing i haven't seen road trip i probably should but yeah <laughs> one of those films i never got around to uh, one of the that, thousands of films i haven't that's a good one to. i mean he did so much good stuff and you know, yeah. this movie, I mean, for me, this will always be, you know, his movie, my favorite of his roles. But I mean, he was just in the late 80s and early 90s. Like, he, man, he was just killing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do agree with you that both Val and Earl are, you know, basically idiots. It's kind of funny how Earl is the older one. So he kind of sees himself as the brains of the operation. But honestly, when you think about it, they're both pretty equally hmm, dumb. I, I hate to use the word, but yeah, just uh not, you know, obviously... They're, they're like an Abbott and Costello type, you know. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. But definitely, you know, obviously with Earl being older, he sees himself as the wiser of the two, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, even though that may be true in certain aspects, uh, when it comes to just living in perfection, it seems like they're both equally uh, idiotic at times. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I actually like that exchange, though, especially in the beginning, because you kind of see, like, he doesn't want... Val to end up like him in that sense, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely a, a father-son vibe going on, you know, a mentor and a pupil-type vibe. Especially when you watch some of the deleted scenes, like, they cut out a lot of the stuff where Fred actually kind of stick up, sticks up for Val uh, in conversations. There's one great scene where he's actually trying to sell uh, Laura on Val, talking about the potential that he has. Was that her name, Laura? Rhonda, I'm sorry. Wait, Rhonda? Who is our who is our, our yeah, graduate student? Yeah, it's Rhonda. It's Rhonda. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a great deleted scene where Fred Ward's character is trying to talk up Val to Rhonda, and I, I was always upset. Like when I first saw that, I was upset it was taken out of the movie because it really shows um, a heart that you know that maybe the theatrical version doesn't show. Obviously, Fred and Val both have heart, absolutely, but to actually see Earl go out of his way to try to help out Val, I really wish that scene would have been left in there. I I mean, let's talk about this creature design. I mean, obviously, we've all seen the film. There are four Graboids specifically here to be dealt with. Um, They obviously look fairly spectacular. Uh, Don, why don't you chime in here on uh, some of your thoughts on the creature designs? 
Oh yeah, uh, the the creature designs in here are fantastic. I I, I love the there's like the simplicity to them, the the sleek streamlined design with this you know the the huge mandibles and the jaws that just you you know they they look like they're like a predatory design, but they, they it's not quite like a earthbound design, but they don't really look alien. So there's like this fun. Um, little uh, feature there that they you know it, it it just makes them look distinctive and they have like this uh they look like they're you know original and they don't have like this kind of design that just mimics everything else so yeah i'm a big fan of them like i said i mean you know some of the later design the evolutionary designs don't quite look like they fit in with this one i mean other than they just keep like that beak design with the um, protruding fangs which is kind of like the you know like the evolutionary Track, uh, trait that kind of carries on over through everything, but yeah, as a whole, I, I really enjoy them. Uh, you know, there's a really there's a lot to really like about all of the you know various little things like you know the like you said like the blindness feature and how like, they're mm-hmm. able to you know carry on through the you know terrain by you know the the little um, fins that they have on the side of their bodies. Yeah, I really like the way that these things look. They're they're pretty uh, pretty unique, um, enjoyable feature. And then, man, those tongue things. They I love that they have like their own features. So like there are three uh, tongues. Yeah. That, tongue, then, yeah, that's a great twist too. I I even really like that. That's actually a twist. Is that the the tongues are not actually like the main creature that's you know out hunting people, but they're actually like tongues. That's a pretty fun uh, little twist in the film as well. Yeah, and they yeah, kinda, I thought that was great. And they kind of like this distinct like kind of like facial feature on them all where it kind of looks like they have like where their horns come out it's like the things that they grab you with and it's kind of cool because it looks like they're like little mini devil tongues <laughs> <laughs> little fork tongues yeah i like it one of the things that kind of bothered me the first time i saw this as you know as i mentioned earlier i was kind of lukewarm on the film Something that I, that kind of bothered me at the time, but now I love about the film, is the ambiguity of the Graboids. The fact that we don't get any backstory, not until much later anyway, but as, as far as this particular film, we don't get a lot of backstory. We don't get any kind of history of the Graboids. I mean, we, we it's not established that like atomic bomb testing was done in this area. So it's like, even though some of the people in the film have their theories, it's kind of kept ambiguous. Uh, Brandon, as, as what, as probably the biggest fan of this film here, did that bother you the first time that you saw the film or did you, did you wish that they told us more about it or were you, were you happy with the fact that, you know, we didn't really know a lot about them individually? Yeah. I mean, I actually kind of like the ambiguity. Um, now, as just being a fan of the film, I wish, you know, there would have been more of that because it's a world that I really enjoy. But I I think, you know, like a lot of films or TV shows, you know, this is more it's not really about like these giant creatures. It's a people story. You know, it's about the characters in the in the film. That's what the movie's really about and their interactions and then how they try and get through it. So I always kind of like the ambiguity. But again, now it's like. Of course, I'd love to know more now. And yeah, and throughout films, we learn more um, as they get more and more ridiculous. But no, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I talk about it all the time on Anatomy of Fear of how I'm very much like a lot of times I'm just a snakes on a plane kind of guy, meaning that I don't <laughs> want subtext. I don't want additional information. I'm just looking strictly if I'm entertained or not. Um, but it's, you know, usually upon rewatches where I'm like, okay, like I enjoyed this or I didn't enjoy it. Now let me get more of that information. So now I'd love more information on them. Um, but at the time I, I actually kind of appreciated it. 
So, nice. so, so I'll give you my idea first. But first, mm-hmm. Brandon, you, you're definitely guessing on the snakes on the plane episode when we ever do that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert: that was my other. That was the one I was gonna recommend because I had no idea how you would react to that one, Jerry. I would have been just as happy with that, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> More for the camp value, obviously. But well, and for my Samuel L. Jackson impression, I'll be doing the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. All right. But uh, the way I look at it is I look at it as kind of like the original Halloween where, you know, in that one, you know, it's very ambiguity what's going on, why Michael Myers is chasing Laurie, and I like that. And then that's when they start to try to explain it. It's like, okay, we got a cult of thorn, but then, but for tremors, we get an ass blaster. Tremors wins. <laughs> I forgot about the ass blasters. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to make a fairly dark uh, admission here. I have not seen every tremors movie. I have only seen three of them. I have seen one, Two and six, which was a cold day in hell. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the Tremors fan, Brandon, of the ones that I haven't watched. If I was gonna sit down and watch one of them, which one would you recommend? So that would be what uh, three, four, five, and seven. God, <laughs> dude, I, I, I actually like four the most out of uh, out of out of the rest of the sequels. I like four a lot. Um, yeah. But that's only because I like old Western set movies. Yeah, I I do too. I think that one was, pr- it's a little cheesy, but I think it's pretty, I don't know, there's something fun about that one. Plus it's got Billy Drago, so you gotta watch oh, it. Oh yeah, that's another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it is a little hokey, but yeah, the fact that it goes like, you know, it ends up being like old school Burt Gummer. It's Hiram Gummer. Um, so yeah. that one, that one's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like, Spoiler, yeah, yeah. Spoiler for Tremors Four. It's a prequel set in the Old West when they were setting up the town of perfection, and Burt Gummer's ancestor is the main character, and he's played by Michael Gross again. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like that one the most, although that's only because I'm a big fan of like old western set horror films. Three's uh, pretty fun too. You get three has its moments. Uh, yeah, it's got returning characters. Yeah, three's fun. I'm not a fan of five. I think five is like the weak one. Yeah, five's five. Five is okay, but I think five is the weakest one. And seven made me cry. Oh god. Yes. Yeah, that 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 was kind of where I was going with that one. Is that yeah, seven is not necessarily one for uh, the faint of heart. It's (laughs) such a weird cast, man. It's just the fact that it's like. Michael Gross and Napoleon Dynamite. I just can't. I don't know what to do with that. But then you got Richard <laughs> Brake in there, too, as the bad, main bad guy. Yep. <laughs> Richard Brake plays a bad guy? What's that like? He owns a whole island of Shriekers. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, God. Shriek Island. Yay. <laughs> well, no, that's Shrieker Island, right? Yeah. That's, that's actually the name of the movie. That is the title, yeah. Sure. Trimmer Shrieker Island. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was looking. I, I was looking them up earlier because I thought there was only six. Because um, I believe Don was on the show at the time, but we we actually did review uh, Cold Day in Hell on Fresh Cuts when that came out. But some when when the seventh one came out, I think there was another movie, a bigger movie that came out that same week. So we you know bypassed that one. But yeah, I remember not having a very good time with six. You know, a Cold Day in Hell. I, I appreciated the change in setting. 
that it was, you know, farther north. It wasn't in the town of perfection. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm always down for setting changes. I, I spoke about it during the Scream 6 review. I like the fact that it's not in fucking Woodsboro. Um, <laughs> it did have Jamie Kennedy in it, though. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem, is I am not a Jamie Kennedy fan. In fact, I am an either. active Jamie Kennedy uh, hater, sadly. <laughs> Let's be fair. John Hedder is better than Jamie Kennedy. Oh, my God. John Hader is an Oscar winner compared to Jamie Kennedy. Are yes. you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> my wife hates him, too. So I, I, it, it's a household thing. We just, scream. We're not big fans. <laughs> Venom's favorite Scream movie is Scream 2. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think those words go together in my vernacular. Favorite Scream movie. Like, those three words don't go together. Hey, yeah, yeah, Jamie Kennedy and Jada Pickett Smith. Oh, my God. That just sounds awful. <laughs> That's another franchise that I have not. That would be kind of a weird um, admission of guilt as well, as I have not seen every Scream movie. Is I it don't Omar Epps think... in that one? Oh, God. Yeah, he's the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> all right. All right. Back to Graboid. Anything else that anybody wants to bring up? I'm looking through my notes. Fucking Reba McIntyre is spectacular in this. Like, I... I, I never really, I, I'm not a country music fan, obviously, so her music does nothing for me. I'm not a sitcom fan, so I've never really watched her, you know, her TV show. I think it was on ABC. Um, oh, sitcom. I've seen it. The show's yeah. not bad. It has its it has its episodes. I, I've, walk, I've walked in on a few, and they're not oh, okay. bad. You have to pick the right episode. Um, there, there's a few that are actually really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, this is Reba to me, you know, this not to say that this is Reba's movie, not by any fucking stretch of the imagination. But when I think of Reba, I don't think of her with a guitar standing on stage. I think of her with a shotgun shooting at a graboid. That's that's my. That scene, that sequence (laughs) is amazing. I love the like the build up to it with like, you know, something's going to happen when they're shaking the bullets in the sand, (laughs) you know. And it's fucking great. And then when Bert just pulls out that fucking elephant gun, I'm like, yes, the elephant gun is spectacular. Dude, I I always felt like they're kind of couple goals because the way they're able to communicate when they need ammo during a crisis, that shows some resiliency. Absolutely. One of the biggest things I was surprised about while watching the special features this time around is that that particular scene, the basement attack, if you will, was a miniature. Like, they do such a great job of editing that scene together that I legit would have thought it was a full-size prop. Yeah. But it's a fucking miniature. And and the fact that they were able to cut together, like, the, the, the one shot that they talk about in the special features where, you know, Michael Gross is shooting a, an assault rifle and then realizes it's not having too much of an effect, so he drops it, that there's actually a cut there. It, it looks like it's one shot where he drops the gun and then the camera pans up to the graboid. But there is actually a cut there when the when the gun hits the ground. A beautiful. I mean, this is a directorial debut. I got to say, Ron Underwood, nice job. Even though, you know, he doesn't really do a lot of stuff that I've liked. Like he went on to do what? City Slickers, Heart and Soul. Um, you know, yeah. His, his first three films were, were pretty good. I mean, Tremors, City Slickers and Heart and Souls. And he's done a lot of TV. I mean, you I mean, know. Yeah. Most like of the Walking last 20 Dead years. And, yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Hearts and Souls, R.I.P. Tom Sizemore, Milo. <laughs> Did anybody see his Mighty Joe Young? I didn't see that. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm not a big uh, gorilla fan, but it, it's all right. Yeah, 
If there's no sharks, Don doesn't care. <laughs> and I'm kind of right there with Don, actually. I love sharks. Oh, so his favorite is Ape. Because <laughs> there's a giant shark. Yeah, the basement scene. Um, like like the Graboid jumping off the cliff, or falling off the cliff. Like, that oh, one is very splat. obviously Oh, amazing. so good. A great so good. splat, though. I mean, considering it is a mini, that's a great-looking splat that they were able to get on that one. I love how their blood is high sea orange. <laughs> yes. <laughs> makes you thirsty we, uh this film oh go ahead i was gonna say did we mention the little girl from jurassic parks in this movie we did not the, the pogo stick Pogo stick, yeah i love yeah. that pogo stick that pogo stick scene because i fucking love how at the moment that uh val takes the little girl off of it the fucking thing is stuck in the ground like it's standing straight up like <laughs> it's so funny because oh, you know because oh. obviously pogo sticks naturally stand up anyway they do such a good job of setting up like little things like that like where you know it's like oh wait you know in hindsight like knowing all the little bits of noise that everything creates from you know the couple out in the desert with the radio and like the pogo Mm -hmm. stick and then the uh the when victor's complaining about or walter i guess i should say his name in the movie yeah (laughs) when walter's complaining about the big coke cooler about how the you know fan and that ends up coming up later like they did just such a good job of just setting up those little bits that would come into play later in the movie. Absolutely. Some great foreshadowing. And yeah, I, I, I'm a little pissed at Val and Earl for not just fixing his damn fridge. Cause maybe he'd still be alive if they fixed this damn fridge. <laughs> RIP grandpa. <laughs> RIP Victor. I was also, and, and I only say this because I just watched big trouble for that umpteenth time, a couple of days before I watched tremors. But yeah, the whole time I'm waiting for him to pull out that, you know, bottle of magic elixir. So Val and Earl could be brave. <laughs> it would be amazing if James Hong played the Graboid. <laughs> <laughs> the low-pan Graboid. Dude, it. not to like derail, but it was so amazing to see James Hong on the Academy Awards stage when they yep. won for Everything Everywhere. Like, What a mm-hmm. dude who's just been an icon for so long and so deserving to get more recognition. Fuck Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely love him. That's a man that I will drive many hours to go see i've done i've done it twice i've met him twice it's been a long time he doesn't really do cons as much as he used to but goddamn great fun individual and yeah i mean everything branded said times five for me the, the man is amazing both on a personal level and you know as a performer and, just, and you know such a sweet guy yeah you know yep. and just the whole aspect of like there's people that people from hollywood were trying to fucking get money to get him a fucking star and that's how much other yep. people love James Hong, you know. Let's see. Uh, the movie. This movie has a. According to IMDb, now I've heard conflicting reports. According to IMDb, this movie had an eleven million dollar budget, but in the special features, they say that it was twenty. So I'm not sure who to believe, but regardless, the movie only made about three million on its opening weekend. It opened at number five. I don't remember what else opened. What what else was out that week? I remember looking. I, I looked it up. I looked at the top ten, and yeah, it opened at number five. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it went up against uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, uh, okay, which well, was that's yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah, and Tango and Cash. So that's right. Tango and Cash was the number one movie the week Tremors came out. That's what I remember seeing. Yeah, yep. and and honestly, that makes kind of sense because I fucking love Tango and Cash. But that's a story for another episode. Oh. <laughs> We should just make a sidecast where we just do those movies. Right? <laughs> so, like I said, movie, you know, depending on the source that you use, the budget was anywhere from $11 million to $20 million. It made $3 million on its opening weekend. 
It only made $16 million in its total theatrical run, which, depending on which budget total you come up with, it, it lost money or it broke even. But obviously, as I mentioned earlier, it got its success, um, you know, in the home video market, early to mid-90s, that thing. Because I remember renting that a couple of times after the first time with my dad, like trying to rent it myself and it not always being in the store. So it definitely got that second life in the video market. Another cool thing about this movie is that this is a horror movie that only has one nighttime scene. And I like that. I like that the majority of this film is set during the day because, you know, a lot of people might say, you know, horror movies set in the daytime aren't scary. It's like, well, may I introduce you to Jaws? But and many, many others, of course. But I love that about this film. We only get the one nighttime scene. It's a quickie. It's like literally a three minute scene. We just get to see a couple kind of hanging out, looking at the sky. And, you know, obviously the station wagon gets taken into the ground. It, you know, it sets up a cool reveal later when they partially dig up the thing and its headlights are still on. I thought that was cool. Also, yeah. the shot, the, the actual shot of it going under the ground where it's kind of behind the hill. So all you see are the headlights. I think that's fucking cool as hell. That shot is awesome. Yeah. You see one that. headlight go out and then the next one not go out, but get buried, like, you know, get buried with dirt. And then the second one goes out. Ah, I think that's great. That's one of my favorite sequences, actually. I love that. That whole fucking city. oh, so many good. Even the fucking yeah. the weird Russian fucking sheep herder dude that gets fucking <laughs> and they discover his head. Yep, his head in the ground. <laughs> I love that Crazy. scene. Yeah, when you were talking, Derek, about like those kind of campy fifties throwback moments, like that's the station wagon one for me. Like that just feels like you know one of those good setups in an old creature film. I love it. Yeah. For sure. And then one last thing that I wanted to bring up, specifically for Derek and Brandon, as I know you guys have that Arrow uh, 4K set. How badly do you want a Graboid erotic cocksock? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know I want one. Granted, I couldn't fill it, and the man <laughs> that can fill it is an impressive motherfucker, but I still would want one. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> that thing was great. That That's marketing genius right there, though. That That's some great shit. <laughs> Dude, what, a, what just an entertaining thing to be able to say anyways. Yeah, just just to say graboid cocksock. <laughs> pretty awesome. Graboid cocksock. Oh my god. Does anybody have any closing uh, remarks before we get out of here? Bologna and beans or eggs? I can't eat eggs, so bologna and beans. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. I can eat fake eggs, but yeah. I'm I'm an old man with a bad heart. Yeah, uh, eggs are bad for me, but that, yeah. that's a, that's a different podcast. So. <laughs> I do think this is a great movie for like, especially if people have kids. Like, this is what a good movie to introduce your kids to creature features with. No, I'm I'm probably going to say the same thing you are, and I feel like I haven't said anything, so I'll take the lead. Uh, yeah, this is probably like at least one of the the top three introductory kids horror films I, I've ever seen. Absolutely. I'll put this up with the Monster Squad and Gremlins any day. As much as as much as I adore those two films, I now adore Tremors as well. Like I said, I've kind of warmed up to it over the last 10 years. I, I, I can say that it's a favorite creature feature now, despite, you know, the first 10 years or so of its release, me not thinking that. But, you know, I was a dumb kid, so you got to forgive me. You know, wisdom comes with age. So There you yeah. go. There you go. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. I'm so glad you picked this movie. 
And oh, and you're locked in for snakes on a train, my friend. Snakes on a plane. I'm sorry, snakes on a train was the asylum, right? Oh, yeah. Was it? yeah. <laughs> snakes <laughs> on a plane. That would be a great commentary. Oh, oh yeah. That'd Actually, awesome. it might be. <laughs> right? That'd be super uh, fun. But yeah, again, Brandon, thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday. I know this is Friday night for you. Still kind of afternoon for those of us on the West Coast, but very glad that you took the time and just awesome to work with you again, man. It's been a while and just glad to hear your voice, buddy. Yeah, likewise, man. I mean, you and I have recorded a lot of podcast episodes together, especially on Fresh Cuts way back in the day and, you know, some of the horror cast and just, uh, I mean, I'd love to have you guys on Anatomy of Fear, too. We're uh, we're definitely planning on recording a lot more this year. And, uh, nice. I mean, we've put yes. out more episodes in the past three months than we did all of last year. So we're that's we're, right. We're working on that. We're trying to. Get I was back very happy. Stuff. I was very happy with your end of year list. Three of the four of us here had the same number one movie in 2022. So, oh, really? <laughs> uh, me, me, you, and Don, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I didn't even say the name of the fucking movie, and I got an ear-to-ear grin on my face. That's how much I fucking love that movie. Uh, yeah. I'm laughing. I'm laughing at just the fact that you said three out of four, and I knew exactly where you were going. <laughs> well, and you know, Alan. And so Alan did not like that movie at all. Um, so then we did a whole follow-up episode just talking about that. So it's uh, yeah, love it. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. On behalf of Brandon, Don, and Derek, this is Mr. Venom saying thank you all for joining us. As I've said to Brandon, I say the same to our listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know there's, you know, half a billion podcasts out there. And if you take the time to listen to us, realize that I genuinely appreciate it. So, again, on behalf of Don, Derek, and Brandon, this has been No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts number 16. And we'll see you guys next month for, and as of now, unpicked movies. So once we'll figure it out, we'll announce it on Facebook. But yeah, go ahead and say bye to the folks. Bye. Make sure you give Melvin the unloaded gun. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Later on, folks. (laughs) 